This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Command Center Man Cave. Inside the Melbourne Law Studio, 352-325-3938. In a day that the morning here in the piney woods of north central Florida, God's country, it's warming up a little bit and things are looking rather bright here. Hope you're doing all right in the northern climes. I know you're getting hit with northeasterners and all sorts of things like that. Um, uh, we have a comment already that I want to cover in a moment who is not running for mayor of Gainesville. That's a pretty good question from my good friend, Commissioner Robert Wilford. Alachua, City of Alachua Commissioner, Doug Whitaker tuning in from Mexico, um, a good buddy and supporter, Jim Murphy, uh, Ken Hillier in Atlanta. So um, nice to see you all. And Don Millard has always been a supporter of the Word Scott Files with on-the-spot dry cleaners. Hey, we're all got a lot of news today. I got some breaking news I'm going to hit you with here in a minute. It's only been revealed at one place so far, and that's WFT TV because of the person who put it there used to work there and it was posted late last night. It's not yet in the uh, newspapers that I can see. It's not yet in Electrical Chronicle, but we have the information and I'm going to get into that in just a moment uh, on the local category because it's one that is uh, going to be a significant story here in the community. It has been for quite a while and it will continue to be now that this has happened and you're going to see a very complicated tangle of a can of worms in this before it's all over. Um, just on the short end of the conversation here, the brief end we can deal with. Yes, uh, according to the prompt I just received, thank you very much from uh, Alachua Commissioner, City Commissioner Robert Wilford, who is not running for mayor. Um, I was reminded yesterday by some people who analyzed these things that I was probably wrong, and I have to admit when I'm wrong, but I'm never wrong, but I was wrong. Well, the future will prove whether I was wrong or not. I predicted that because Blarsky was in the race, uh, we would have probably a higher turnout than we normally do, and it would maybe be as high as 20%. But then I was reminded, uh, and this may come back to bite the city commission, uh, you, know, you know where, uh, they moved their city election to correspond with a fall election for the House and all the above. And so there may be as high as 70% uh, turnout simply because the city commission race will be dragged along with the other uh, things that will be on the ballot. So that's most interesting. If that's the case, in keeping with my prompt from Commissioner Wilford, uh, we're going to see quite a dogfight. Uh, my, my, I'm, I'm betting on Bolarski to emerge if he puts together the right coalition. Uh, the shortcoming of him is that he's never campaigned before. He's never been in a political race. Unless you've been in a political race, uh, you don't know how dirty and down it can get. And you're going to have to need an awful big base behind you working for you. But I think that should be able to coalesce and work for him. Uh, Harvey Ward's a bully. Um, he's the one who actually did the ambush, led the ambush. Uh, and some of the others that are running are not well-liked and really on borrowed time, as we say, uh, in uh, Union County. Borrowed, uh, not borrowed, but borrowed. And he's on borrowed time, probably so. Uh, yes, that race will be interesting. Uh, um, I'll offer a candidate interviews to any and all of them, including Banana Pudding. Uh, I'll offer it to him. We'll see if he comes on. Um, and uh, so that's that's a standing issue. I hope to bring you interviews, live interviews with these people so you can get a little familiarity with them. Uh, we also have a controversy going on here uh, that has not gone away and probably will not go away in in the, in the near future. And it's one, just one example of this huge debate about how to deal with sprawl. Uh, the city commission has decided the way to deal with sprawl is to go up uh, five, six, seven stories as high as you need to, to keep people from heading to the countryside. And uh, they can't stand that uh, in the city. 
uh, for people to spread out and enjoy a yard and a dog and all that business and uh, things that people have come to expect, kind of a baseline assumption, which is probably not going to be true very much longer because of population density and uh, the cost of real estate, et cetera. So uh, the corner there of 43rd and 23rd, 16th Ave, that area, uh, has been a hot spot that belongs to a church right now. It also has a cemetery there. Um, and I don't know what they would do with the cemetery. You can move a cemetery, but boy, that's, a, that's an arduous task. Um, so you've got a question, how is that going to be used right now? There's some outside developer from the community who wants to go up, up, and up. And then, of course, the uh, city of uh, maniacs here at Run the Commission will not let him do that without working in some affordable housing, which will guarantee it'll be slummy. And that's what really is the joker in the deck, is um, the quality of, of in inhabitants there will not have any kind of standard uh, uh, expectation of, of uh, ability to pay or behavior, because there is a correlation, unfortunately, between uh, poverty and behavior. Uh, not always, but pretty, pretty predictably, all you have to do is look at the Section 8 housing, and you can see that quite often, not always, but quite often, that's where the trouble is. So uh, that is one hot spot that's going on right now. Tim Martin tuning in. Uh, thank you, and Lloyd Bailey watching, and of course, a lot of other people. We'll get over to the Spotify controversy. We'll get over to censorship today. Uh, you know that the Ward Scott Files has been uh, and made an example of by this, by not, uh, not only Facebook, but also YouTube. So um, I'll have some comments on that, both from personal experience and experience that seems to be in the news right now. But the uh, big thing that I want to talk about, oh, yes, there is one other thing. We are, uh, we are bringing to you a constant update on our supervisor of elections signing up of, uh, of convicted felons to vote. Uh, there was a list published in the paper recently of, uh, let me just make sure I got this right, um, that, uh, let's see, um, there was a legal notice set out by the Supervisor Elections Office uh, that was a list of voters on the January 28th. The Angel Sun published a legal notice. We wanted to know how that list was compiled, so we did a public records request of the Kim Barton Supervisor Elections. I got the response that there are no records um, pertaining to this public records request that shows how this list was compiled. Uh, when you get a no response from a, uh, no records exist from a, a public institution like that, you always uh, have to be kind of suspicious. Um, you know, in the world of actual accountability of public records and institutions, one over uh, 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 compiles the public records, one over uh, saves, not under saves. And so it's very interesting and we don't know what to make of it yet, but, you know, it's something that raises a flag is, um, you know, we asked for a public records request to find the logic of how you put, pared it down to this list of people, uh, because we know that the list of people was greater than this. And so how did you exclude? How did you include? And we were told that there are no records that exist. I just bring that along to you. The big story right now that I want to get into for a while is a shoe we've been waiting to drop. And um, I don't know if you know this. Um, but yesterday I received news uh, that uh, indeed uh, Brian Kramer, uh, state attorney's office, has ended up uh, charging uh, um, uh, Mike Riles and, and Dan Trotos uh, with uh, four charges, five, four charges that I'm going to go over here with you in the circuit court of the Eighth Judicial Circuit. Uh, this has to do with what the title of the show today is the SWAT charges. Uh, there's a tremendous, and I'm going to talk about that, which is my opinion, and that which is actual fact. And I'm going to tell you that I don't have all the facts, but I have an awful lot of information. And I'll, I'll, I'll let this out uh, on the line tentatively and let you maybe make some conclusions about it. I know uh, Jim Murphy's watching, uh, some other guys are watching um, that kind of no law enforcement world. So I'm going to let this out rather uh, cautiously and tell you that I know more than I'm going to share with you. Uh, but I'm also going to show you that I have in my hands uh, the actual, uh, uh, the actual uh, paperwork, copy of the actual paperwork was filed. Now, I'm going to go through this with you and uh, uh, remind you of what this is about. Uh, the, the big alarm that was raised in this community was when a SWAT team came in to a real estate office unannounced, tied up the people, uh, held the guns on them. Uh, and, and you can quibble about whether it was actually on them or they perceived it to be on them. Let's just 
we talk about the fact that the SWAT team was there, fully prepared to do what a SWAT team does. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Uh, some of these other matters are going to still be pending legally. There'll be civil suits, things of this nature. So I'm not going to talk about that. But uh, be, it, be that as it may, we all know there was a heavy hand in this come in there that seemed kind of strange to people to do uh, for a real estate office, uh, so-called white collar crime. Um, we know that there, and I'm on Crime Stoppers uh, board. In fact, we meet today at noon and I'm very familiar with uh, the takedown of very dangerous people. And I haven't heard yet of an incident of, that involved the SWAT team. Uh, now that doesn't mean it doesn't involve a lot of caution and a lot of uh, preparation to do whatever needs to be done. Uh, but it, it, you know that's the that, that when those people or law enforcement is going to those uh, situations, uh, everyone I've heard uh, the, the situation was involved a dangerous criminal with an extensive rap sheet that was uh, uh, ratted out, if you will, by somebody for whom we're going to give a tip anonymously. Uh, that's how dangerous those people are. They have a long rap sheet. Uh, it's well known when you go. Here, there is uh, no a long rap sheet. There is some concern by law enforcement, though, about one of the individuals. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, that goes way back in the community. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't merit the response we have here. So uh, here we are. We have a, a state of Florida as a plaintiff uh, uh, versus Daniel James Drotos and Michael Stephen Riles. Now, uh, this has been 18 months have gone by now uh, before this charge or uh, uh, there's been a lot of this information supposedly that was a, a, a you know a, 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 a acquired through criminal activity has been in the hands, as I understand it, of the people who are charged for 18 months. Uh, that's you know that's really not too, un too unusual for charges. Uh, sometimes, I mean, uh, these guys can you know the, the wheels of justice. You've heard this grind slowly. So welcome the charges don't come down right away. Well. They've got to do their due diligence and this and that. We've been waiting forever for the Department of Law Enforcement to do something about the supervisor elections behavior, which is very, very easy to document. And, you know, you can't, this, and this is, goes back, my God, this has been several months now. And so all this is usually done in secrecy and hush-hush and, and uh, all this stuff because we don't want to compromise the, uh, the information and et cetera, et cetera. So this seems to be the situation um, that uh, uh, is, is the case. So we have now, we have a, I have a subject verb error in this. This kind of stuff just jumps out at me. Um, and it's written by one of my former students. Brian Kramer is, my, is, is a student of mine. And I want to just show you this gram grammatical error. Um, uh, it, it has a subject verb agreement was, it should have been were, because you have a, 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 a compound subject. Oh, boy. Unless you're viewing that compound subject as a, as a single entity. Uh, but, you know, that's really splitting the hairs. So anyway, um, um, the charge is in the name and authority of the state of Florida that between October 1st, 2018 and June 1st, 2020, uh, Riles and Drodos were, were knowingly, willingly. This document says was knowingly, uh, should be, so far as I can tell, were knowingly, willfully, and unlawfully employed by or associated with an enterprise, and then it quotes the statute. And um, uh, this is the, these are the charges. Racketeering, racketeering, a pattern of racketeering activity, okay? Uh, and, and, and derogation of Florida statutes, uh, and have at least two incidents of uh, racketeering conduct. Now, uh, I'll give you the philosophy behind this, uh, which is my opinion based upon people who have talked to me. Um, you know, the state attorney's office has a tremendous amount of pressure on it uh, from all sorts of vested interests in this community in reputations and professional uh, uh, decor, all kinds of things. And it's called, it really in the crossfires here. And a one interpretation of what's going on here is to get out from underneath that pressure. Uh, Kramer is just going to send it over to the courts. And then Kramer can say, I did my job. You know, um, um, Barney Fife here is the nickname for the guy who, Becker is the guy who uh, did the investigation. He's known as Barney Fife. Um, Barney Fife uh, gave me the information. We've interrogated these people. But you have to bear in mind, there's also been a civil trial going on at the same time. 
And the civil trial has yet to be, outcome of that yet to be determined. So, um, and it could have been determined, but it was uh, kind of forestalled, as I understand it, uh, by uh, the, uh, one of the, uh, the liars involved in it who was right shrewd about kicking the can down the road. Uh, justice delayed is justice denied. So uh, you'll see that tactic. I'm not going to comment too much on the civil action. It was going on uh, this last week, um, as I understand it. So uh, here's two instances of racketeering conduct. Uh, take, and here's what it means. Uh, uh, taking confidential information from a password protected computer or commu computer system to defraud. Uh oh, I say that word. And the mo moment I read that word now, be ready. Uh, the algorithm at YouTube and, the, and, that, uh, and those platforms will hear that word and probably ding us. So we'll get into that in a minute. But I'm going to read what it says anyway. Uh, we'll have to write a, a rebuttal and say that this is a document based and get a human being to read it and then take away the, the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the censorship of us. Um, so, you know, make clear now, YouTube, that I am not the one saying this. This is on the, uh, uh, this is the state of Florida saying this, that uh, uh, they took confidential information from a password protected computer or system and, and with the intention to defraud uh, or obtain property. Okay, that's one thing. And uh, the property is uh, not defined here. That's going to have to be brought out in testimony, depositions, and et cetera, and probably now in a trial, for sure. I don't think there's going to be any deals cut on this. This is going full bore all the way out. Uh, and then, two, taking trade secrets uh, and obtaining property through a scheme to defraud. Um, so those are the two biggies on count one of racketeering. Count two um, uh, is a scheme to defraud Bossart property management um, by acting to prevent the signing of a contract in order to have the value of the commission transfer with the defendant instead of with the current business. So here's a commission argument. Uh, there's been speculation all along if Cervone were still there. Uh, he never got, if this is just going to boil down to a commission argument, then uh, you're going to hear more fire and and thunder out of this than you're hearing right now. Um, but certainly this is one of the uh, elements of, of this, 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 uh, this uh, charge is uh, the commission. Uh, with the defendant instead of with the current business and did obtain property thereby in a total of 50,000 or more. And uh, I'll tell you what I think that's about in a moment. Okay. Um, uh, count three is... Um, uh, the the honor uh, between January 21st, 2019 and February 26, 2019, uh, uh, they, act, they acted as principals to willfully and without authorization obtain or use or endeavor to obtain or use a trade secret with the intent to either temporarily or permanently appropriate the trade secret to his own use or to the use of another person not entitled to the trade secret. Um, now, uh, uh, therefore, uh, the definition of trade secret is not here, of course. That's going to have to be coming out. What is a trade secret in the real estate world is up to quite a bit of conversation among realtors. Um, uh, the count four uh, is that uh, uh, these two fellows acted as a principal and willfully, knowingly, and without authorization as disclosed or took data uh, that supported this uh, trade secret and it was confidential. Um, so this has been sworn to by Barney Fife, Michael Becker, and uh, uh, but these the, the, nobody's established these as facts yet. These are charges, and you know there's it, several elements to being involved with the legal system. One, you can be arrested, and anybody who makes the arrest from the cop who stops you. The old uh, joke about it is the lady has her hemline up high, and the cop takes a look at the at the thighs of the lady and drops uh, the ticket. That cop is perfectly able to do that. Anywhere in the chain of custody of the arrest, one can act out on this. Uh, so the cop could go ahead and arrest the lady. That's arrest, not a charge yet. So then once the arrest is made, and if it ensues that there's proper arrest made by the law enforcement officer, then it can be a charge. And that then can be contested, taken up by the liars. And it's quite a while because there's guilt or adjudication or not guilty found and that can be done by plea bargaining or, and what we uh, found in the, in the world of gang members and kids who are carrying guns and 
shooting people and robbing Walgreens and all that stuff is they have been not arrested. They have been uh, charged. uh, They have been taken to court and somehow, some way they get a a so-called slap on the wrist. They get um, uh, adjudication withheld or charges dropped or uh, deferred this or that. And uh, they're back out on the bricks. Bond is very low uh, so they can bond out. Um, and be back on the bricks, carrying the illegal weapon again, robbing again, and then they accumulate a rap sheet. And you have to understand from their point of view, uh, a rap sheet is their street creds. The longer it is, the more power and authority. It's kind of like, it's funny in a way, uh, in scouting. The more badges you get, the higher you go in the scouting world, from Cub Scout to Boy Scout to Explorer. This is a street version of scouting. the more arrests and all that business you have, often of which is accompanied by the outward display of, of, of proof of that in the form of tattoos, um, uh, then the badder you are and the badder you are, the more status you have. It is one of those things, um, uh, the, the looking glass upside down world, but you have to understand how it's viewed from the point of view of the, the, the grand gang member or the criminal. The criminal sees it as a status and the, uh, and the uh, courts really depending upon whom you are to believe, have liberal judges now or liberal prosecutors. And in many cases, it's the truth uh, in these big cities uh, like Baltimore, Chicago. Uh, it's pretty well known. Either the courts are overflowing uh, somewhere along the line, the system's breaking down. So that is going to fit that whole psychology, I submit to you, is going to figure into this, uh, uh, these charges. Here are some guys who are... Um, pretty public about their behavior. I've got professional licenses um, and it's coming down. It looks like uh, over a commission um, over a commission on a piece of property, which I'm pretty sure has to do. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to just let this string out on this kite very slowly. Uh, we're going to do a public records request for some school board members conversation. Uh, one in particular, I'm not going to mention who, uh, with the state attorney's office. And uh, we're going to see what we get uh, because um, I'm, we're not, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty sure that all this is tangled up in that. And, uh, and, uh, and, and we're going we're gonna to try to elucidate that for you and uh, when we get those documents. But right now, we'll be, I'm going to, you know, tip my hand a little bit here. We're going to go looking for some conversations uh, between the school board uh, member one member in particular in the state attorney's office, and we're going to see what we get uh, because there has been some discussion about that, and we will cover that for you uh, in depth as soon as we can cover it with confidence. So this is uh, really uh, uh, not shocking, but it is surprising uh, to many people in the community that this kind of thing would come to this point. Um, You know, a lot of people send information to me, uh, even inside the protected walls of law enforcement. I get information from guys in there um, that this was going to be coming down. Um, and if there was more here, I think there's much more here uh, than uh, you'll see. For example, uh, on the school board property, there were pr- three appraisals done. Um, uh, there, there are people who believe there's some sort of conspiracy um, who are school board members. Um, um, there might even be a political organization involved in this. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just wait and see. But this is a lot more than me. It's a lot more than simple, you know, here we go, we got some criminals and we're gonna charge them and we'll let the jury straighten it out. Uh, there's a lot of political pressure uh, on the state attorney. Bear in mind the state attorney, Brian Kramer, uh, ran unopposed. So there is a lot of talk right now about running somebody against him. Uh, he has to be very careful right now with this kind of hot potato because he's going to be damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. Uh, some, somebody is going to take sides in this. And uh, if this comes out to be something that doesn't hold a, a water, uh, then uh, you can look uh, for blowback on Kramer. Uh, but Kramer's deferring to Barney Fife. And um, uh, that, that really, uh, if, if you will, that's the name that we hear Leo call him. We don't call, I don't know, I don't know the gentleman. That's, that nickname comes out of Leo, doesn't come from me. Uh, uh, that that is uh, 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 going to be costly to the state attorney's office. So uh, um, there, there, there we go. It is, uh, it is uh, right down, probably be on channel 20 here in a little bit. And of course, the uh, 
a Gainesville sunset is always uh, always behind. So uh, locally, we, we have that situation uh, uh, that is ticking. Yes, we do have so many people running for commission. Uh, bear in mind uh, that this is GPD who went there, um, as I recall, and GPD has got its own problems uh, big time. I want to get into them, but it's got a lot of problems in personnel and, and, and meddling. Once again, if you think that the uh, meddling of the commissioners, the inept commissioners in the GRU world is uh, bad, look at the way they're meddling in law enforcement. So there's some things on the line for them. Uh, and I can only tell you that uh, there's more shoes going to drop in that respect. Uh, I'm not going to get into the details of that, but they're not going to get away scot-free uh, without somebody holding their feet to the fire. So um, keep it going. Keep it uh, interested. Keep, you know, see what you learn um, from this. Uh, it is a very um, white-collar crime, if you want to call it that, uh, uh, involving, it looks to me like, uh, basically commissions. Um, and who, who, who got paid or shouldn't have got paid? And how did you get the information and entitled you to get paid? And uh, did you actually inflate the price you'd get paid more? Uh, those sort of things um, are, I think, at the bottom of all this. And I got to tell you, that's a pretty steep hill to climb. But we'll see. Um, and and, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it for you. So the title of today's show, anything coming up here that you want to comment on? Don't see any comments coming in from people on this. Um, let me just look. Um, um, so um, um, nothing but off the, off the topic stuff here. So um, this is really uh, a significant um, uh, event in the community and uh, it has a lot of implications for it, uh, for a lot of people involved here. So uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep track of it for you. Uh, I'm gonna break just a little bit early because when we come back, we're gonna talk about some race issues. Uh, you know, we've talked over and over again, if you wanna stop having race issues, stop talking about race. Uh, but it doesn't seem that this community is able, a larger community, even local community, any community can, can just let it drop. It's gotta be milk for all it's worth. And then if you, once you milk it for all it's worth, you gotta go ahead and beat the drum some more. So um, uh, that seems to be the curse we live under in the United States of America in uh, the 21st century. Uh, we just can't shake the dog from our ankle who's uh, nipping it uh, at us as we try to walk down the street. It's, um, and, and, you know, just somebody sicks the dog and the way it goes and, and the dog is biting you on the, the leg. That's my metaphor for this. And, um, you know, you, you just can't, uh, um, you just can't seem to get, get, get past the thing. Um, there's no way to walk past that person's yard where the dog gets out, uh, you know, it, it seems to be that uh, it's going to be brought up, not uh, you know, regardless. And it just hamstrings all the things that we do as a country. It runs down our uh, our, our reputation. It's uh, 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 run down. Uh, you know, it's used as an inflammatory kind of uh, sledgehammer against people. It's uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's something that uh, evidently it'll take another twenty or thirty years to escape uh, until everybody looks like Halle Berry. And Halle Berry, I think, is, you know, one of the most beautiful women in the world. I did meet Lena Horne one time, who was that, in those days, the Halle Berry. And I sat and talked with Lena Horne for quite a while in Diane's uh, in New York City. Beautiful woman, right down to, right down, just a, right down to earth person. Uh, and Lena Horne was the Halle Berry of that day. And we sat and talked along with Lauren Bacall for quite a while into the night. Uh, it was a wonderful conversation. It was a wonderful evening for me and uh, had a great time with them. It was just like talking to, you know, down home people. Be right back in a minute in the Ward Scott Files and uh, stay tuned. I'm going to heat my coffee while uh, production plays you a few ditties and be right back. This is Ward Scott and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, Large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 
1-800-227-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. If your brains were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. <laughs> to call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. Octone, octone. The papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Much now. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Ken Cornell, known as the thin-skinned water boy. Ken Cornell, known as Minnie Mike. Ken Cornell, wears elevator shoes. Ken Cornell, he just wants to be like. All right, Bill, welcome back to the uh, Ward Scott Files in the Warthog Manly Command Center in the Melvin Law Studio uh, at uh, 3523-2539-38 or on the Facebook chat here. And um, we have tippy-toed through a minefield there. We use the nasty F word, not the F bomb, but the nasty F word um, that uh, uh, talks about, uh, uh, you know, fraud. There you go. I said it. Okay. Race issues, I was saying on before I heated my coffee, um, don't go away in America. People use them uh, for political power and political reasons. And now it's um, alleged by Brian Flores, who was fired at the uh, Miami Dolphins coach uh, here recently, uh, that there's racism in the NFL hiring. Now, the reason this rings a bell and the reason these owners have to be careful about it uh, is the teams are about 80 percent black. So um, um, they got to They got to be careful with something like this Brian Flores. And by uh, uh, you know, the flip side of that is he understands that this is a timely issue that is inflammatory, emotionally driven. And so he's going to fire. Uh, he's going to file a lawsuit against being fired as a coach. Uh, you know, it's, it's a really a stretch because you can be fired as a coach for any reason. I mean, basically, that you lose uh, uh, or somehow just don't feel comfortable with you as a coach. I, you, you, look, you talk about a you talk about a, a profession that has no security. Uh, they get these doggone uh, payouts and they get rich for four, five, six, seven, or maybe for life while they're getting fired. So it's pretty hard to holler that you've been discriminated against when they give you a pair, a go, a parachute uh, that sets you free on uh, easy street. If you don't pull a, uh, a Clinton Portis deal uh, for the rest of your life. So um, Flores was um, let go, as they say, after three years, uh, and he had back to back winning seasons. But what is a winning season to an owner? Um, it is probably how many tickets did you have through the portal and what type of TV coverage are we getting? And, you know, there's never enough winning. You know, it's so interesting to watch the downtrodden faces of the Chiefs players or even the, uh, the Bucks players who came within one game of going to the Super Bowl and they see themselves as losers. Um, Oh, they're down in the dumps, a ball on the bench. Uh, you know, they, they're just absolutely, their worlds come unglued. Uh, um, you know, that's how much we as a society have, uh, you know, I was talking a moment ago about pressure on the state attorney's office, and he's getting out from under it by kicking it over to the judicial system. Um, rather, you know, he could have not filed charges and let it go. Or, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, you know, he kicked it over out of his office. So, you know, this is the same thing with, with, uh, with winning. I mean, hey, you know, we can move these coaches around. We can move these players around. Uh, we've got to do what we can do. 
And, you know, if you lose a couple of games or you don't make it to this pedestal or the next, you're a real big failure. Uh, I thought the basketball coach for the Lady Gators has said it the best of any coach I've heard it say it in a long time. When the Lady Gators lost Sunday in a really very entertaining game uh, uh, against the number one team in the nation, South Carolina, whose coach has had 19 years, I think it is, to build that team. And our interim coach uh, has had maybe four or five months to build the team. So she told her, uh, her uh, players when they uh, were defeated uh, by South Carolina, which they came close and they really played them hard, uh, that they did not, they were not, they did not lose. They had been defeated. But, you know, most people don't have the sense to say that that way. She is so astute for having said that that way, because that makes those uh, players realize, buddy, you know, we, we're not losers. We just got defeated. And we losers would be somebody who sat on the bench and woe is me and wrung his hands and, and you know, shouted that he got screwed in a call or anything like that. Uh, that's not the case. I mean, that's not the way. Um, they act when they're playing, you know, the way they should be playing. So this is a lightning rod, however, and most people's opinion, the football is America's most popular sport. I have to tell you this, if you ask the psychologist, it's because it's the most violent sport outside of boxing, but uh, maybe the ring, uh, the, maybe the cage, martial arts. But uh, this is the one that holds the greatest number of viewers, captive from your mother uh, to your um, children on up. And the violence is so attractive that they simply can't stop watching it and love to see it and hear it and all the above. So um, the, um, the league has just one black head coach. I think that's the coach for a head coach. I think that's the coach for um, Pittsburgh. However, probably, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Bucks will probably become a head coach uh, soon. He should be. He uh, runs the offense, uh, ran it anyway, for Brady and his crowd. So this is a class action suit uh, on behalf of others like uh, this fellow, Flores. And um, it's um, going to include a wide-ranging uh, – Andre Beaton has analyzed this for us. It's going to include a wide-range – of allegations of covering Flores' time with Miami. Now, he's had other jobs, indeed. Uh, he was interviewed by New York Giants, but not hired. And he considers that to have been, since he wasn't hired, a quote-unquote token interview. Now, as I say, the reason I'm spending a little time on this is because I got a whole category in today's show about how this race just, we can't shake the dog from our ankle. And I don't think we will in my lifetime for sure. And the question remains whether or not uh, it will still be a topic on the front burner in your children's lifetime if you've got young children. So um, the, uh, the, um, the, the, the basic uh, premise of this is that the NFL is rife with racism. Uh, boy, I tell you what, I don't see it, and that doesn't mean it's not there, when I see these guys playing together, not the standing race and tackling and blocking for each other and going all out for each other, and I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Now, I was a coach of a team when we uh, first uh, integrated, and we were first, uh, first integrated here with our super quarterback, Brian, uh, uh, Eddie McShann. And when Eddie McShann came, he was the first black quarterback uh, in really our, 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 our league. And, and um, there accompanied then, indeed, racism on the part of teams we played, but not among ourselves. Uh, we, uh, you know, understood that, you know, we were a team. And that was a special moment in the history of integration. And it was enjoyed, enjoyed right here in, in the Gainesville High School Purple Hurricanes. Now, uh, Eddie is a Facebook friend and does, I think, probably watch his show once in a while, lives in Atlanta. Um, so, so, um, and he was a, he was a, he was a groundbreaker. Uh, he went to Georgia Tech where he got involved with these issues and um, 
And so I'm, he's very familiar with it. But, you know, we're a long way out of that. That was in 1970, 72, 69 in there when Eddie was with us, 68. And, um, and now where are we? Uh, let's see, 70, that's 30. We're 50 years down the road uh, from this. The guys that I coached uh, now are in their 70s, okay, early 70s. Um, you know, it, you know, it just, you know, but we haven't been able to shake the dog from our ankle. Now, meanwhile, the Dolphins are denying all this, saying they have worked hard. And then you hear the words come up that you must say now. It's like immune. It's like an inoculation that is supposed to immunize you against uh, this disease of racism. It's called a diversity and inclusion. Now, the Dolphins say that they are proud. Let me, let me quote it for, for you. We vehemently deny any allegations of racial discrimination and are proud of the diversity and inclusion throughout our organization. Those are the words that are supposed to immunize you from this. But then on the other hand, it's like winning. When have you won enough? Must you go 12-0? Must you go 14-0? Must you go 15-0 before you quote unquote have done enough? When have you done enough affirmative action? When have you done enough? Probably never. Probably never. I don't think in this country it'll be ever the case. So there'll be too many people who profit from keeping alive. Black Lives Matter. They're in the headlines for having absconded with all that money. Nobody knows where it went. California is trying to even to get them to haul in and be accountable. They're accountable to nobody. And they've raised a fortune. And he raised it mostly off of Floyd. So, um, um, there's, there's allegations, and here's one of the ones that's most interesting. The lawsuit alleges that during Mr. Flores's tenure uh, as the Dolphins coach, um, he, was, he, was, he was doomed when the owner gave him a directive to tank or lose games so that he could get a higher, the Dolphins could get a higher draft pick. And the lawsuit alleges that the owner uh, offered to pay the coach 100 grand for every loss and that the team general manager um, indicated that Ross was mad when the club run games. I, I, I got to really, really hold that out as something um, I'm very skeptical. Of. I know these owners are oddballs of these NFL teams. They can be very eccentric. Uh, they almost can be almost childish. Uh, but, but, you know, I, you know, that's a tall stretch here if that's so. Um, just so you'll know what the Rooney rule is, it's the P Pittsburgh Steelers owner, Dan Rooney. He was head of the NFL's diversity committee, committee and he was interviewed and uh, said that the, uh, 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 there's no, 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 no truth to the fact that uh, this guy didn't get the job at Giants because he was uh, black. So uh, there you go. That's one racial thing that is an indicator of all things um, look at the salaries these players are making. Would you, I mean, I, I talked to some of my buddies or played in the NFL. Um, my God, they didn't get the money these guys are getting. And, and uh, uh, it's, just, it's just amazing. Now, here is a, a John McWhorter, who is a black fellow who writes for the New York Times, who says it's absolutely time we did away with affirmative action. Now, you see, white folks can't say this. So when a black writer in the New York Times comes out and says it, um, and he writes, I'm just going to skip around in what he wrote and let you know how he's thinking, that affirmative action, he writes, broadly speaking, uh, was policies that seek affirmatively. And he, he, he emphasizes affirmatively, which means positively, achieve racial and gender balance in such things as hiring and contracts and in particular university admissions. Uh, it's been controversial ever since it was uh, instituted in the 60s. Uh, it really originated in its formal uh, uh, presentation through Kennedy's executive order uh, yeah, 10925 that uh, became the kind of the um, thing against all which all behavior was bounced. Uh, it was controversial at the time, and it's um, even more controversial now because there are challenges being made, which we've covered, to its uh, programming uh, use at Harvard and the University of North Carolina 
uh, in particular, where affirmative action is being used to discriminate against Asians in order to give uh, a, a particular race an advantage at admission. Now, we've traced what happens to those people when they're given an advantage. Uh, the, 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 the objective they think they're going to be able to accomplish in the, in the tougher majors in the institutions, they don't reach because they didn't have the ability to reach them in the first place, but they were given kind of a false promise is the contention of this writer, McCorder, uh, when they were allowed in in the first place. They should not have been allowed in, according to McCorder. And his argument is he's got daughters. He doesn't want affirmative action to be used uh, in, in their application. He wants them on their own with their own qualities, their own behaviors to qualify for what they do and not be given any kind of quote unquote affirmative action. He says he's not totally opposed to it. Um, but allowing people in, he says, students with different grades and test scores uh, standards uh, than the other students is um, uh, not a way to address economic disadvantage, race, and gender. All it does is end up harming the people. Um, so this is, this is a very interesting position to be taken that a white person I don't think could take. And uh, McCorder says that the black middle class has grown considerably. Um, America is much more mature. Uh, it's much more morally sophisticated in spite of all the negative stuff you hear that the woke generation keeps using in order to try to maintain power. Now, the question that remains is whether that will backfire. And the question remains that whether that will be illustrated with the vote for Congress in the fall because the Democrat Party is definitely using race from all the way from the Supreme Court selection uh, all the way down uh, to uh, whomever they allowed across the border, which we're going to cover in a minute. So uh, uh, this, this fellow writes that his daughters are lively young people. Uh, they will take their places in uh, this thing called life. They want to, he wants them to learn how to deal with problems, including growing up during a pandemic. He wants them to be individuals and taken as people. And he doesn't want them labeled on a college admissions committee um, or anything on there uh, that uh, even speaks to race because uh, he says they are biracial. They're half black, half white or mixed and uh, thus officially diverse. But uh, he's also uh, wants to drop the African-American term. He thinks, and I've been advocating that forever. I don't know what is the uh, enhancement about that. I don't know why you want to keep that term. Uh, I can't say it because I'm a white guy, but McWhorter says it. He doesn't know why anybody wants to keep that term around, except that it's used to actually harm people more than it is to help them. His own people. But, and this mixture of, um, and, and Tim Martin points out, that's character you're looking for. Uh, it's not, you know, the co this color of the skin thing is, of course, going to um, um, less and less be relative when uh, William Faulkner predicted it. When we have more mixing of the DNA, um, the caramel color will be uh, very difficult to trace. Was that white person? Is that black person? Is that a Hispanic person? No, it's the modern person. Um, uh, so, you know, the, but, but we're going to keep beating this drum. So. Um, uh, and, you know, I'm talking about this uh, in a way that hopefully um, uh, you don't have to worry about somebody censoring us, but, which is always the case now. And I'm kind of paying a little more attention to it. I don't know who this Joe Rogan guy is. I have to confess to you. I do not um, listen to other talk show hosts. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not interested. I, I, I read great literature or I read. Uh, document sources that I feel are well done. Um, I also um, uh, listen to smart people um, and I, I try to learn from them. I uh, also, um, uh, you know, have a long life of, of, of thinking and teaching people to think. And so far, uh, I've been able to maintain those faculties, uh, hopefully, uh, um, for a while longer. And so I really don't need to listen to, nor do I learn much from other talk show hosts. Uh, some of them are quite boring. 
Um, I did, of course, listen to Rush because he was a great storyteller. And I always learned a little something from him. And I liked his, um, the man that substituted for him from Canada, as I've said before, I can't remember his name. He was very sharp, very sharp guy. I don't listen uh, to The View. I've never watched The View. But now I understand on the subject of, of race that they're going to kick off Whoopi Goldberg. She, I, I don't know what that woman's qualifications are anyway, um, or any of those women on there, except that they gab and they have an audience and a base and therefore uh, fills that programming slot in the morning of the TV or what we used to call the brain sucker. Uh, she made some remark uh, about uh, the, the uh, Holocaust and even, you know, the entertainment world is filled with Jewish people, okay? You better be careful if you're in the entertainment world about insulting Jewish people because they are the movie makers, they are the entertainment producers. Uh, that's always been the case. And she's gotten cross-rays in the road with these people saying something stupid, but it's not the first stupid thing she's ever said. Uh, I have a copy of The View, six minutes long. We could have run it on the show, but I decided, geez, it was so full of dead air, I didn't want to do it. Um, but you can, you can no doubt find it and listen to her. Um, it is, it is um, um, strange and rare, though, when something like ABC will actually uh, come in and say, well, you need to go to timeout. As I understand it, she's in timeout for... A Mark Stein. Yes, sir, Ray. Mark Stein is the Canadian. He always subbed for Rush, and he was somebody I really miss. Uh, that guy, I think, is uh, got the goods. You can learn a lot from Mark Stein. He's the only one I ever listened to when Rush wasn't there. Uh, why they didn't pick him to take over that show, I don't know, because I haven't listened to that show since. But um, uh, if Stein had a show, I would listen to it. I learned a lot from that guy, and I thought he had the right instincts. Um, um, I have not listened, although we're on Spotify, and we're on Apple Podcast, and uh, we try to distribute. You know, we're not allowed to boost our show because of community standards violations. I've never really appealed them, but some people have, and they said that were, our appeals were denied. Uh, they go way back to things that were um, from other uh, and people do it, I guess they do it. I, I don't know. Uh, you'll see an article somewhere in a reputable paper or publication and you'll post it on your Facebook page. And if any of that at all questioned the election, then that was uh, violating the community standards. So it's the questioning of the election. Um, now, I don't really care what, uh, um, you know, Nat, whatever his name is, Young Neil Young thinks. I do know Stephen still very, very, not well, but he's from Gainesville. He went to Gainesville High. Uh, he's in the yearbook. Um, he uh, owns some property here, quite a bit of property. I have been to his house. Uh, um, but I, so I'm, I like Stephen Stills. I think he's, he's kept his nose clean. He hasn't gotten involved in politics. Uh, but this Neil Young has been a kind of a loud mouth forever. And, you know, I'm going to yank my stuff off if you keep doing that. You know, that's not that's not helpful. That's not helpful. Um, and he, but he's always been, once again, one of these bullies. He's kind of a big guy. And um, but he's outside. He's outside his world. I mean, he needs to stick to music, in my, in my humble opinion. But there it is. I mean, so everybody is so nervous about being canceled, um, about censorship. Um, as, as a classroom professor, I never had any censorship there. There is. And, and I, I will go along with what. Polonius told Laertes, uh, nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And, 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 you know, it is a controversial statement in the play because there is such a thing as evil in the play and evil is definitely evil. And it doesn't have to do much with whether you think it's evil or not. It is evil. Uh, but I think what Polonius was telling Laertes was to stay out of political conversations. Um, Laertes was his son getting ready to return to Paris. He'd come obligatorily uh, to the coronation of King Claudius. And uh, Polonius was trying to make uh, rank with Claudius and become his personal advisor. 
So he had to be sure that his children behaved, um, his family behaved, because if his family didn't behave, the king would see that as a reflection upon the credibility of Polonius as one of his advisors. If, uh, if one of his advisors could not discipline his own family, then he certainly didn't uh, need to be my advisor as, as king, as I'm the king. I, you know, it points to an inability to, to, uh, to, to, uh, to properly raise children would, would be the highest standard by which I would evaluate somebody I would let in my inner circle. It's one of the interesting moments in the play, and I think there's a lot of truth to it. You know, Lyndon Johnson had a brother who was an alcoholic and kind of a public embarrassment. And uh, the word came to Lyndon Johnson. I've forgotten the brother's name. Might have been Dave. I don't remember. But the word came to Lyndon Johnson that his brother was embarrassing the presidency. And Lyndon Johnson told his brother, you shut your trap or you will disappear from this world, so to speak. And that's the last it took. You never heard anything more from the man. He never appeared anymore. He wasn't in the papers. And Lyndon Johnson went about his business of being the president. Contrastingly, Jimmy Carter had a brother named Billy Carter. And Billy Carter was a public kind of uh, buffoon, a funny guy, a drinker. We even went to Libya and sat in the stands with Gaddafi during a military review for Gaddafi. Had his own beer called Billy Beer. And people went to Jimmy Carter and said, you know, your brother Billy is an embarrassment to the presidency. And Jimmy Carter said, well, that's my brother. I can't do anything about Billy Carter. He's Billy Carter and I'm Jimmy Carter. And so uh, I leave that, that alone. Uh, let let uh, um, him do his, his thing. I think it cost, you know, Jimmy Carter, the, one of the things that cost Jimmy Carter the election. Um, the, uh, the, the, you know, the, as, a, as a politician, uh, you're, you're almost a mafia boss and, and in many ways. And you better have that blood beating through your veins because you're going to go out and you're going to deal with the Putins. You're going to deal with the Khrushchevs. You're going to deal with the Castros. And you better be able to, to lead a gang. And, and uh, a, a too nice a guy... Uh, too, too honest a guy is a naive guy and doesn't make a good leader. All you have to do is look at the way, as I've said before, the street gangs choose their leaders. Uh, they choose their leaders not on the basis of their goodness, so to speak, to uh, the outside world. Uh, and truth, by the way, to Shakespeare uh, was not honesty. It was consistency consistency. So if you tell me something, then I can take what you told me to the bank. It might not be the truth, but it is something that came from you straightforwardly. I'll give you an example. Uh, everybody knows about Anne Frank. Um, we would presume for this discussion. And if uh, there's a knock on the door and you're a sympathetic German and you have Anne Frank hidden in your attic and you tell Anne Frank, I will never betray you. Then the door knock comes and it's the German Gestapo officer. And it says, he asks you, do you have any Jews in your home? And you say, you tell a lie. Okay. You tell the German officer, no, I do not, sir. Thank you. Did you tell a lie? Well, not the lie to Anne Frank. You told Anne Frank. Now, Shakespeare is constantly putting his characters in this type of test. A test of loyalty establishes truth, which establishes reliability and consistency in uh, friendship and loyalty. So uh, this is one of the most interesting things to explore through Renaissance literature, uh, because you had kings and you had people who uh, were, uh, had to be loyal to them. Of course, it goes back to Roman uh, times as well and Greek times as well. So um, the definition of a, the truth is not necessarily that you never tell a lie. It's that you are true, what's called a true penny. A true penny has got the uh, consistency of a real penny. It's not a, can a, 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 a counterfeit penny. It's got the same copper in it that 
all true pennies have. I hope I gave you a little lesson there out of classical literature. Um, it is uh, filled with uh, real great advice if you take the time to read it and study it. Well, we're out of time on the Ward Scott Files. Uh, have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.